Bonjour, euh, je m'appelle Eric Lampard, je suis un humoriste français, mais avec des blagues anglaises. Euh, vous pouvez me suivre sur Facebook ou Twitter à The Gum Show. Um, J'ai un show, je vais aller à Edimbourg euh, en, en, en août. Euh, et le show s'appelle Two Tickets to the Gum Show. Um, et aussi, j'ai un podcast qui s'appelle Coffee Ramblings. Donc, euh, écoutez, s'il vous plaît. Merci. So, Eric. Hello. How did you get into comedy? Well, uh, various reasons. Uh, I'd say the first thing, right, I, I've got a bit of a weird face. So the listeners can't really see this, right? But I've got an odd-looking visage. Uh, and I always I always wanted to be an actor, right? And I always looked up to, like, Jim Carrey. You know, he, he's not versatile as such, apart from Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine and stuff. But he's got a weird face. And I was like, okay, how did he get into comedy? And he actually started off as a stand-up. And then you've got Eddie Murphy as well and Robin Williams, who also started a stand-up. So I thought... Okay, stand-up is quite a good one. But I didn't have the confidence to do that, right? I uh, I went to university to do theatre arts, and I thought, I'll do it the sort of normal way, if you like. Uh, but then I nearly died, like a proper, like, nearly death. Um, I, I, I had appendicitis, but then when they cut the appendix, they cut the intestine by accident. So I was digesting myself, right? And I was in hospital for, like, three months. Uh, I, I came out of it, like, seven stones, because I wasn't allowed to eat. Because oh, I was eating myself, right? It was an odd one. So then I thought, oh, I nearly, nearly died. So and so then I went crazy. You know, I started skydiving. I, I got my license to motorbike. I just thought, just do loads of crazy things. And obviously one of the crazy things to do was to do stand-up. Um, and and that's, that's how I got into it. And what was your first gig like? Awful, and it's online. Uh, I can't get it off. I can't get it off. It was a for Chortle student competition. Uh, so you actually, you, in a weird, see, I hate it, but at the same time, it's kind of cool that you can see my progress. So it's my first ever gig, 2008, uh, February sometime. Uh, and then you see uh, another gig for Chortle, but 2009. And then I did one for BBC Comedy, 2010. And I'm awful in all of them, but you can see I've got an actual progression, you know, which, I, so in hindsight, I'm quite glad that, that they're there. But at the time, Oh, I couldn't get gigs because they'd type in Eric Lampere on YouTube and they go, you are awful. And I was like, yes, I am. Um, and if you if you watch it, it's quite interesting, actually, because I used to, and I still do, look up to Eddie Izzard, but I used to listen to a lot of the Russell Brand radio shows. So I sound like Russell Brand trying to do material about, like, Eddie Izzard, Eddie Izzard, you know, material. And you can, it's very obvious. You just need to listen to it. It's awful. And... On your website, you've described yourself as a stand-up comedian in terms of World of Warcraft, so that you would be a level 25 comedian telling jokes to the humans and gnomes living in the Tower of Azora in Elwyn. But you said, <laughs> you said that you hope to one day become a level 80 comedian. So in your hope to grow as a comedian in terms of World of Warcraft... How do you feel your material and style has changed since you first started gigging? Look, I mean, you, you read that back to me. I, I've i never even played World of Warcraft, okay? I used to play Dungeons and Dragons uh, with my friends. It's because I was trying to sort of emphasize the fact that I, I am quite geeky, right? So I just thought, what's the geekiest thing? World of Warcraft. And I was trying to explain that, you know, in comedy, you're not, you're not just going to be brilliant straight away, you know? When, you know, like, all the old, the big stars are on TV and stuff, they all started off in tiny clubs, and they were all level one at some point. I was, that's what, I was just trying to explain that. Now, I regret it, because as you were reading that, I was like, I've no idea what you're saying. Um, but that's the power of the internet, isn't it? You could just Google things. Uh, I, I'd say I'm more than level 25 now. But, uh, yeah, level 80. I mean, that's the 
top top comedian, isn't it? Just, so what level do you think you are now? I don't know, level 26? You know, just one up. There's so much work to be done. There's so much work. Um, but uh, you see, I'm making a living off it. Uh, I'm happy as well, which is quite a good thing. Actually, to be happy, not a bitter comic. Uh, I'm discovering things about myself as well because, like, for example, I've been offered a few sort of presenting jobs and I've said no. Um, I thought I'd say yes. You know, that's more followers. That's more people in the room, in the audience. But I said no because, actually, I just want to be an actor. Uh, and that's quite nice. Uh, yeah, th- um, things are going well. Things are going well. No orcs trying to kill me. Lovely. And so after you studied at Middlesex University, you went to uh, the École Internationale de Théâtre Jacques Lecoq. Très bien, very good. <laughs> Merci. Um, uh, à Paris. Uh, so how did you find that the Parisian comedy scene uh, compared to performing in the UK? Now, I've not actually performed comedy, stand-up comedy, uh, in Paris yet. Uh, Emphasise the yet there. But I, the, the reason I went to that school was because I do a lot of comedy sort of with my face and I mean obviously I've got jokes but I use my face a lot and uh with uh, Ecole Internationale de Jacques Lecoq you you put masks on so you actually have to hide your face so then you end up using your your body your whole entire body your legs your arms you know it's definitely visually more interesting um there was a comedian a long time ago called Max Wall it was just incredibly visual, and it's great. And I'm not slapstick, but I just think it is important, you know, to storytell, to move around a lot. Um, now I'm going to Montreal in end of July, and I get to actually do my comedy in French, and I am very excited. I'm, I, you know, hopefully it will translate. Uh, obviously, there's some puns and stuff that don't, you know, won't work. Um, like for example, again, I'm going to use Jim Carrey as an example. In The Mask, he tells Milo, his uh, dog to get the keys, and then the dog gets the cheese, right? It's uh, quite funny because obviously it rhymes, and that. but um, in France, it's uh, va chercher les clés. Uh, non, pas les clés, le gruyère, right? So it doesn't sound anything like each other. It still works as a joke because then, you know, the dog likes cheese rather than keys, but, you know, things are lost in translation. Well, you're excited about performing, uh, as you said, in French at Montreal, and recently at a gig you just decided to do the set in French. So, was it at the creek? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how have British audiences reacted when you've suddenly changed your language? Right. Um, See, English people, you know, they like to be English uh, about things, and there's a sort of pantomime hatred towards the French, which I quite like. I, I quite enjoy the sort of boo. It's, a, you know, it's actually quite a good laugh. And the material I do about being French, it's normally accessible to them. Uh, you know, like uh, material about what they learned at school, um, what, you know, what the French might be to them. And you know, there's, there's things that they can relate. Now, I don't always mention I'm French and, and I don't sound it. That's, a, that's the, one of the beauties about it is I sometimes I just go for it. Uh, there was one guy, for example, that heckled me once. He went, you're not really French. And this was after like five minutes uh, of doing a gig and I already had them on my side. And he went, well, I am, I am French. And I did a bit more material about being French. And he went, yeah, you're not really French. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. And I did 17 minutes uh, just in French. And then at the end, I went, French enough for you? And I just walked off. And the audience were like, ah, ah, Because it was just weird. It was just weird to see that. Uh, yesterday, I did a gig in Hearn Bay. And it was a German guy. 
and I sort of pretended like I didn't know any German. I went, oh, wo ist Bibliothek, right? And people were like, ha, 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 he's trying to be funny. He's, that's all he learned. And then I went into a paragraph just in German. And you should have seen their faces. They were like, what? And so that's quite fun, you know, to sort of surprise them like that. I think I, I once saw Jared Christmas uh, do, and that kind of inspired me to do that sort of thing where he goes, uh, so some audience member talked about tanks, right? It was a weird heckle. And Jared Christmas went, oh, I don't know anything about tanks, except... And then he did, like, 25 minutes just on tanks. It was just the weirdest gig. Um, so with language, you know, it's that, that same thing is to surprise them. Accents as well, you know, you can surprise them just by slipping into an accent. I sometimes go on stage doing an American accent, uh, and that annoys them because British people don't really like American comics. And then I'll go, chill out, I'm English. And they'll go, hey! That's quite nice. And you've performed a lot on television, uh, including being part of Cardinal Burns, Life's Too Short, The Midnight Beast, and also in music videos, where you were in Dizzy Rascal's Baseline Junkie music video and uh, Scouting for Girls, Love How It Hurts. Oh, and also you're in the Sky advert with Bruce Willis. Yeah. So... Do you prefer, um, you were saying that you wanted to be an actor, but do you prefer performing on stage or on screen? Um, I don't think I'd ever give up stand-up now. So I started stand-up to become an actor, uh, but I, I'd like to juggle both. I, I would never, like if I became a professional actor and I was always busy or the diary was full of acting, I'd always make sure that I have time for for stand-up, I, I couldn't give it up because there's nothing like performing on stage. It's a drug. It's an absolute drug. I like the best example was I got to perform at Latitude, uh, and it was like four thousand people. The buzz of getting four thousand people to love you is great, and it's instant as well. Like if you fuck up on stage, you fuck up, and you got to use your head to somehow work around it, and that's great fun because on set you fuck up. Oh well, let's do another take and. Also, another thing as well, and I don't know, you can ask other comedians this, but when you do something funny on set, on stage, you, you get response straight away. So the response might be silence or a round of applause or laughter, but you know straight away whether it works or not. Uh, but on set, if you do something funny, people aren't supposed to laugh. You know, it's like quiet on the set. You know, so, so, you, so you do something funny as a, as a comedian and straight away your head will go, well, that was shit. Right, so then you start losing confidence in your acting. I, I, I'm, I'm training myself to just chill out about this. But I'll do some funny things on set, and they'll laugh, but then they can't use it, right? Because people will then laugh on set. So then I'll then do a few other things, and I sort of improvise. I improvise a lot on on, on set, you know, and uh, I'll then get some funny things out there. They won't laugh because they're being professionals. But then I'll go, oh, I'm a terrible actor, um, and that's quite scary. So. I both. I I couldn't. I don't think I could choose. Well, speaking of latitude, uh, you won the latitude comedy competition in two thousand and ten, and you also won the laughing horse beer comedy competition in two thousand and eight. And your first gig was the chortle gig, which you were talking about before. So, what's been your experience of entering comedy competitions? I think they're good because they sort of make you step up your game. Uh, you know, there's because every gig in a way is a competition because you want to be the best, right? But I love, you know, watching my friends smash it. I, I love seeing my fellow comics, whoever they are, whether I've just met them, just have an amazing gig. That's what it's about. Uh, but personally, you, you always secretly want to be the best. Now, the, the thing with competitions is that 
uh, you, you actually get named like, oh, here's the best, right? He is the best. So when I won Latitude, and like I said, it was 4,000 flowing people. What a feeling. It, it was like the tap of the back just to go, yeah, you're doing well. Okay, so carry on. Um, now, the problem with some competitions is like... Um, you know, it's, it's voted by the audience, which I don't like because, you see, a lot of comedians, the, the, the more you do gigs, the less friends you have to invite. So uh, I remember one guy, I saw this two comics being on. One comic was incredible. The other guy was awful. But he had loads of friends in the audience and he won because his friends obviously voted for him. Um, but then it showed in the final. He was awful. His friends weren't there to vote for him. So... There's that element of it. There's also things that you, you'll, you'll always hear a comic go, well, Bill Hicks would never win any competitions and he did all right. And that is, that's true. You know, you don't actually need a competition to, to be any good. And the, the problem with competitions as well is I started off entering competitions when I was a young comic, but I was awful. You know, I, I wasn't good. I, I was a good, let's say, performer, but my jokes were terrible. Um, now, if I entered them now, it would be brilliant. I'd I'd love I'd love to enter them now, but it would also maybe do my career worse because if I entered them now alongside new comics and I failed like and I you know and I didn't win, people would be like, "Dude, you've been going for years and you've lost," you know, compared to the new comic. So that's the thing you got to enter at the beginning, but at the beginning you're not very good. So it's a it's a weird one. Um, yes, they're good. They step up your game, but they don't actually matter, I think. Having gigged around the country, how do you feel that different audiences compare? Um, that's a hard one. I you see, like, there's that sort of stereotype of people up north, they love a pie material, right? And there's a sort of element of truth in that, like, you know, people in the south, they're more la-di-da, and yes, they'll give you time to talk about languages and books and stuff, but they're also more reserved. And sometimes you'll do an art centre gig and you know, I'll be I'll be excited because I'll be able to do my human evolution material or whatever and they'll just look at you like oh this is lovely but they're not going to do any, they're not going to make any noise right and then you, you go up north and it's more like fucking geezers, right and obviously these are all the stereotypes right but but they're, they're genuinely more up for a laugh but then it does mean that they they're, they're more fighters as well you you sometimes have to fight for their attention and you know if I do french material uh, sometimes they'll be like, mate, France is a lot further than if you did this in, you know, Dover. Uh, so th there's, there's that. But then I did a gig, for example, in Highlight, um, Leeds, a couple of weeks ago. And the, the the other acts were who were on, they were old school comics. And they were great, right? but they were sort of your mainstream old school act. And I thought, I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb. It's going to be hard. And turns out that I personally, I think I had the, the, the better night because that people up north maybe are used to that sort of comedy, that I came up there going, aren't I weird? Ooh, Frodo, and here's a bit of language stuff, you know, and I didn't treat them like they were stupid. I assumed that they would understand everything I did. If I didn't, I would sort of, you know, work with them. But I fucked around with them, and I think that it doesn't actually matter. Personally, for my material, I don't think it matters whether it's South, North, Black, White. Just, it, it, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, speaking of the human evolution material, um, in your Edinburgh show this year, that's one of the things that you talk about. Uh, your Edinburgh show this year is called Two Tickets to the Gum Show, but you've also performed at Edinburgh for several years. Uh, in 2011, you did your debut hour, Where's Eric? And you also did a uh, double-hander with Joel Dommett. Yeah. 
So how do you feel about the Edinburgh Festival? Do you enjoy it? I'm definitely going to enjoy it this year. Like, I'm so excited. I'm going to live with Ellie Taylor and Nat Lassima. We're going to be making bread together. It's going to be great. We live in Central. We're going to get drunk. It's going to be fun. I've got an hour that I'm actually excited about. Um, now, I didn't go last year, and I didn't want to, and I was happy that I didn't. And the reason I... Because uh, the year before, the, the Where's Eric, the debut show, was awful. Right? It was just utter, utter crap. And... And the reason is because I can improvise quite well. I can talk bollocks, right? And it's, gr it's great fun. And essentially, that's what I did. I went up there, which is why it's called Where's Eric? It was like, where is he in terms of like, where's he going to go? Um, now, a lot of reviewers, they were nice to me in that they were going, you clearly have something. You're clearly a good performer. You're clearly confident. But all of them also said, you have no jokes, right? And it's weird. It was the kick up the arse that I needed because... Some sometimes like now with some comedian friends, they'll be honest with me and go, "That didn't really work. Maybe try this. Maybe try that." But back two years ago, maybe we didn't have that relationship, and no one ever said, "Eric, this is actually shit," right? And and I would still be able to have good gigs. Like the Latitude um, was before Edinburgh, right? So, so I did win it. So I was a good performer, but I did it with gusto and confidence and, and enthusiasm and you know, sort of charisma, and but no jokes. Um, so I had an awful time. It was an awful Edinburgh. Um, my eye was red, like there was an I burst a blood vessel. Um, people assumed that I didn't actually go to Edinburgh because they never saw me out. Because when I was when I did Domit and Lampere, when I shared the hour, I was always out drinking, having fun, da -da -da, dancing times. Uh, and the year after, I was always at home because I was embarrassed. Uh, I, I read the reviews while I was in Edinburgh, which was a mistake. Don't read the reviews. You know, but everyone will tell you to not read the reviews, but everyone will do it at least once in their Edinburgh career. And so I read them. And so anytime they would talk about a particular j joke, and I say joke in sort of commas, inverted commas, um, I would then panic when I was on stage to do that joke. And so, I, so then I lost the confidence. It was, yeah, it was an awful time. But uh, I'm back. This is my debut show, right? Actual jokes, actual material. So apart from actual material and actual jokes, what can people expect from your show this year? Um, it's one thing that Sean Walsh said, right? It's weird. I, you know, me and Sean, we, we, we know each other, but we're not like best friends or whatever. He was one of the judges of Latitude. And I asked him, I was like, well, you know, why, why did I win out of all the others? Because there was, you know, there was uh, James Acaster, who's brilliant. There was Ramesh Ranganathan. You know, it was an incredible lineup. And I was like, why me? And he said... Well, two things. Firstly, you died at the beginning, right? So to see you die and then actually win it back, that was a skill. And I was like, okay, cool. But he said one thing is that it's unexpected. You, you don't know where you... We, we can't predict where you're going. And that's what's quite nice. Now, it is scripted and it is like it's got projections. So I'm not going to be going on too many tangents. Uh, but uh, I, I like to keep people on their toes. Like on one moment, you know, I, I break into a rap. Yep, that's that's right. I I rap, uh, but you know what is it about? And uh, you should see people. It, get, it gets tense when I do the rap, and then you know it's good fun. And uh, it's you know it's a mix of theatre and stand up. It's well, it's an Edinburgh show, you know. Um, and obviously, I've got my my app, um, two tickets to the Gum Show app, where you can take a picture of your face and your gums appear, and then people you know will be able to send that. They'll be able to be part of the show as well. So. I don't know. You saw it. What did you think? I thought it was very good. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you're saying that in your show this year there's going to be actual jokes how do you go about writing your material well after the where's eric a fiasco um i actually got a little help from my friend uh luke tolson um He's a great comic, and he was—he just kind of helped me just to go. Look, this is how you write a joke, uh, and obviously there's no right formula. But he just showed me loads of different types of methods of writing jokes. Now he's not written any of the jokes that I—he I, actually sort of gave me the confidence and the tools to do it. So I, you know, I read a lot of books, so uh, that there's always stuff there. Um, it's, I have a lot of time on my hands. I get, you know, I get into adventures, um, so. I don't really know how I do it. It's I think it helps to do new material gigs and you just can talk bollocks and see what comes out. I record everything as well, so I just you know, to keep a note of what's actually funny. But I um I I don't know how I write, if I'm honest. I still don't know. I still don't know how I write. It's I, um and I don't know how to talk very clearly. I I don't know. I, I actually I don't know. And you were saying that you sometimes get heckled and you were... Sometimes. <laughs> well, do you get heckled a lot and do you enjoy it? Yeah, I do I do like getting heckled. Uh, I quite like uh, anything to create a little bit of chaos uh, in, in the show, I think, is a, is a good thing. Uh, I, this is one of the reasons why some maybe promoters won't book me because I'm... I'm a risk taker, you know, I might go into the audience, I might not even use a microphone if I don't want to, you know, it's just it kind of, just anything just to stand out, like I'm not, I'm not on purpose trying to be weird, I just enjoy creating a bit of chaos, just to, just to fuck someone over, you know, I, I, I like choosing one audience member just to actually piss off, right, but in a sort of cheeky, fun way, but um, I, I, I like chaos, right, no, not to the level of Phil K chaos, who's crazy and all over the place and incredible to watch not that level but chaos is fun and if they can throw a wrench in my set bring it on now i do talk at the beginning i've got this material about getting heckled so if people do want to heckle it's got to be good it can't just be you know which you do get and there's nothing you can work with and you know you can get the odd people going your shit but generally when that happens, it's one angry person in a room of people that are actually enjoying themselves. So that heckle doesn't work. But sometimes they'll heckle you like an incredible heckle that throws you off, throws me off. And they, they, that's the thing. Audiences enjoy seeing a comedian kind of struggle, you know, as long as they, they, they've got trust in me to, to, to struggle, you know. And uh, I, yeah, I like it. I like it when audiences get get one on me. It's, it's really fun. So what advice would you give to comedians about dealing with heckles uh well brett vincent who's a promoter sort of uh, once looked at my material and he sort of highlighted he put an asterisk where he think i would get heckled so for example if i say i'm french he would then go well there's an asterisk there because you might get heckled there so what do you expect people would say right so go back to your own country boo you eat cheese or whatever you create a list of what potential heckles you know, they, they could come up with, because think about it, they, they'll they'll come up with it on the spot. They won't, like, have loads of times to think about it. They'll just go, Whoa! so what do they, what are they going to heckle? And then you can then create a list of what you can then say back. Now, I used to do that, but I, I quite like seeing what I come up with on, on the spot. Um, just be confident with it. And if you're funny and you get heckled, then it, it doesn't matter if you can't 
put one back and I've got the odd phrases that I'm you know I've got banked in in my brain just in case I, st- I really struggle but I like to see what happens on the spot and do you have a favorite type of venue that you prefer performing in um hmm favorite type of venue and um, um no there's there's a few good ones I, up the creek is one of my favorite ones uh there's top secret in covent garden which is a really fun lively and that's that's one way you can create really create chaos low ceilings it's people coming for free so there's a you know cornucopia of different flavors of people that could really fuck something up uh and i, I quite i quite like that um yeah i mean any any gig that's lively and where you might have to fight them a little bit is quite nice i like it Leicester in just a tonic uh, I, th- I think my favorite venue is the crumbling cookie actually I, I don't know if you've been it's brilliant it's such a great you know one hour show venue um I don't know oh festivals love festivals because that's that's the one place where I let my hair down and I, I get drunk I don't really get drunk on on stage but at festivals I might you know take some alcohol or different things and allow myself to go crazy uh and that's fun because as well like you know if sometimes you have like some bits are scripted when you're drunk that script goes out of the window and you discover new things about your comedy you know and uh, being on drugs uh, i'm guessing would make your material very interesting um but this is just a guess i I don't actually know (laughs) do you have a favorite type of audience that you prefer performing to uh no uh, I don't. Uh, one thing that this is one thing that annoys me. Okay, so there's a, there's a list uh, of gigs that you can get uh, sent to you. For example, Mirth Control. They'll send you a list, and then they'll say things like Asian act only, uh, or or black act only, right? Which is totally fine, right? Because there's, there's different audiences for different people. But that annoys me a little bit because, firstly, imagine if you had a, a white acts only right that'd be whoa that'd be terrible right but also i've played to rooms where there was only black people in there and i've played to a room where there was only like sort of asian and uh, and just whatever i've played to a room in singapore where it was mainly sort of singaporean people right and you might have to adapt your material in different ways but that's part of the fun like when i did a gig to a black audience it was so fun and so hard, right? Because they were like, you, you've got to be good, right? You've got to be good. Because essentially I was the only white act, right? So they all looked at me like, what are you going to bring to the table? And I, I had fun and it was really fun. Uh, and then actually there was another white act and he didn't bring it to the table and they made it clear. And, you know, and that's the thing. And if I played to only black audience... Uh, that'd be rubbish. But if I played to only white audience, that'd also be rubbish. If I only played to posh, if I only played to poor, it all suck. It's nice to have everything. And just because you might struggle with one type doesn't mean that that audience is wrong for not liking you. It just means that maybe you've got to work out something else, you know. But I'm not going to become mainstream to appeal to everyone. I'd rather be me, but different flavors of me. You know, how am I... For example, I might swear less at an art centre, you know, I might be quieter with you know, other people. It's all, you know, that's the part, that's the, like a puzzle. Every audience is a puzzle that you have to unlock. And that's part of the fun. I wouldn't want to play to the same people all the time. It's boring. Do you have any tips or advice for aspiring comedians? No. 
I don't. I there's no right way of doing it. Uh, everyone's different. You can't be jealous of someone else. This is one thing that I learned. You know, like me and Joel, uh, we, we're good friends. Joel Domit, and uh, we're very different. I want to be more acting. You want to be more presenting. But like, I remember, I'd I'd sort of get jealous sometimes about like, oh, he gets this gig and I I don't and stuff. It doesn't doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You you can only have your own career. There's no point of getting jealous. You can be jealous of someone's material. Like, oh, he's got that beer, and that's an amazing beer. And that should inspire you to be a better comic. But to be jealous of someone's career will only make you bitter and angry. It just doesn't matter. Just chill out. You know, be friends with that person and sort of maybe bask in their glory if you like. But it's, don't be jealous of someone's career. That's one thing. Secondly, just... I did a course, uh, you know, just to get better at writing, but actually it, it didn't really help. Just do it. Just do as many gigs. I actually, I, I did say this to someone once. I, I went, you don't learn how to swim on the internet or in a book. You just do it by jumping in a pool. And in a way, that's kind of a good metaphor for that. Just get on stage. Just see what happens. Uh, and, and I think that's the best advice. Um, and also, ah, oh, this is one bit of advice that I wish I was told. When you're new and you don't get paid, that's exactly when you should be able to fuck around and and improvise and try different things. Like I remember, I I used to have a white shirt and just be normal, right? And then all of a sudden there'd be some uh, accordion music, just all of a sudden kick in, and I would throw my white shirt off, and it'd be like a sort of stripy black and white t-shirt, like a mime. And I would put like a sort of beret on and I, I'd shove my face in a box of flour. So my face would be covered in white sort of makeup, if you like. And there'd be white dust everywhere. And I would sort of break into a mime and then I'd go back into my material, right? Just out of nowhere. Now, I don't do that anymore. I might bring it back. But, you know, back then it was like, oh, he's new. It's fun. It's crazy. And then I did it at the comedy store. And Don, who's basically, in ch- he's the Don of comedy there. He was, um, yeah, don't do that again in my store. And uh, I, I sort of never did it again, which uh, he's right to say that. But I think, yeah, if you're new, try try different things. Because if you get paid, there's pressure that you need to be good. And if you don't get paid, who cares? Just do what you want. Do a whole gig in French if you're French, you know. Do, just, it doesn't matter. That's the beauty. Paid, Unpaid gigs, do what you want. That's my advice. And you studied at Middlesex University and also at Jacques Lecoq. So do you have any tips or advice for students? Um, your grades don't matter uh, is uh, an interesting, weird bit of advice. Obviously, obviously work hard. You know, I always did my essays on time and stuff like that. But uh, I've got a, a friend, very intelligent person, and she got a first uh, theatre um, arts. However, I believe she's not working in the theatre world, if you like. Um, why? I, well, I don't know. I don't fully know. But one of the reasons, I think, was that she never went out. She she was a bit of a hermit and always worked. Nothing wrong with that. But I think you've got to get the right balance. Some people that never worked, well, now they just work in shops, right? If, if they're happy, that's cool. But, you know, they did theatre arts for a reason. You've got to get the right balance of work hard and play hard. See, my degree, whether I got a first or a 2-2 or whatever's below a 2-2, doesn't matter because I'm doing what I do. And no one goes, uh, yeah, the next comedian, uh, oh, let me just check his grades. Yep, he can come on. doesn't matter. 
another another thing about the the comedy world is that that's that's what's great. You've got people from Oxford University, uh, you know, Cambridge, Cambridge like Jimmy Carr's in Cambridge, but then you've got Charlie Brooker, who I don't even think did his A levels, um, or did he? I don't know. Oh, he did. But like, there's loads of people that haven't even finished GCSEs, you know, and that's great. Uh, is that is that advice? I just I talk a lot. Donc Eric, comment as-tu commencé la comédie? Ben j'ai un drôle de visage, euh, donc euh, comme Jim Carrey, et, euh, et je voulais toujours être un acteur, tu vois, d'accord? Donc euh, je me je me pensais, ben comment est-ce que je peux commencer, tu vois? Et euh, Jim Carrey, il a il a commencé comme un humoriste, euh, et, et même Eddie Murphy, euh, Robin Williams, ils ont tous commencé comme ça, comme euh, un humoriste. Donc euh, je croyais que j'allais faire ça, mais euh, j'ai été à l'école, j'ai fait du théâtre. Comment était ton premier show Oh, terrible. C'était mais horrible. Euh, c'est pas marrant. Euh, c'est un peu de la merde. C'est de la merde. Euh, mais en plus, euh, y a mon show, c'est sur YouTube. Euh, c'est en, en fait en, en Chortle uh, uh, Awards. J'ai fait um, un show, c'était en 2008, euh, février. Et, euh, mais c'était nul totalement nul. Euh, et en plus, tu peux voir euh, la progression. Donc, euh, tout, euh, de 2008, j'ai mon premier show. Et après, en 2009, j'ai aussi un show. Et 2010, j'ai fait pour euh, BBC Comedy. Euh, et en fait, tu vois que je deviens un peu meilleur, mais je suis oh, terrible. Et sur ton site, tu te compares comme un humoriste en termes de World of Warcraft. Donc, tu serais un humoriste niveau 25 qui raconte des blagues aux humains et aux hommes qui habitent dans la tour d'Azora en Elwyn. Mais tu dis, euh, que tu espères <rire> Mais tu dis que tu espères un jour devenir un humoriste niveau 80. Donc, comment te sens-tu à propos de tes blagues et ton style Et comment est-ce que ça a changé depuis que tu as commencé euh, C'est une très bonne, très bonne question. Euh, mais euh, j'ai pas envie de dire ça, mais j'ai jamais joué à World of Warcraft. D'accord euh, J'ai peut-être joué à Dungeons and Dragons, mais euh, jamais joué à World of Warcraft. C'est un, un peu embarrassant. Euh, je voulais juste dire ça pour, euh, pour dire à mon audience que je suis un peu un geek, tu vois. Mais euh, jamais. Dungeons and Dragons, peut-être, mais euh, jamais World of Warcraft. C'est un peu embarrassant. En fait, ce que je voulais dire, que je, je suis un niveau 25. Enfin, maintenant, je suis un peu plus. Niveau 26, peut-être. Mais je ne sais pas. Euh, et c'est vrai, vrai qu'un jour, je veux être à un niveau 80. Il y en a, il hein? y en a des niveaux 80.